On this All Saints Day, our reading comes from the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. The church has always believed that God is speaking to us through revelation. But what God is telling us about is not so much about the future, but about the present. In all ages, the church has experienced opposition and persecution. And in all ages, her martyrs are willing to witness in difficult circumstances to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Revelation is written not only to encourage us to endure in times of persecution and trouble. Revelation shows us that there is a deeper reality than is happening right now. As we prepare to read God's word, let us join together asking for God's illuminating grace. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. After this I looked... And there was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these robed in white? And where had they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. He said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more. And thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever imagined what heaven would be like? I'm pretty sure that most of us have. There's a story about Mother Teresa, the Roman Catholic nun who had such an important did such important work with the poor in India. Now, in this 
fictional story, supposedly Mother Teresa is in heaven and she's dining with God. And the only thing in front of them is a couple of tuna fish sandwiches. While they're eating, Mother Teresa looks down into Hades and sees the people there feasting on steak and lobster and cream brulee. Mother Teresa says, God, now I'm not complaining, but why are they eating so lavishly and we're having only tuna fish sandwiches? Well, said God, with just the two of us up here, I figure, why cook? Now, if you imagine that only God and Mother Teresa are the only ones in heaven, then let me tell you, that's not the way heaven is at all. Our reading from Revelation paints a a far, far different picture of heaven than God and Mother Teresa alone munching on tuna fish sandwiches. For many people, the book of Revelation is a guidebook of doom. Some people seem to believe that the book forecasts an end-of-time destruction in excruciating detail. Others are troubled by what they see as an overwhelming graphic of divine wrath and judgment. Almost everyone is swamped by the negative images and the emotions whenever the book of Revelation is mentioned. But the irony is the revelation to John was written and shared in order to serve as a beacon of hope to the Christian community and not a herald of doom and gloom. When John recorded the vision he received while exiled on the island of Patmos, he believed that the Christian churches in Asia, what we would call Asia Minor, were experiencing intense persecution in a world dominated by evil and the Roman Empire. John wasn't predicting dark days in some distant future, but rather seeking to assure his first century Christian contemporaries of God's control and ultimate triumph, even in a world seemingly hopelessly chaotic, and filled with evil. Remember, the title of the book is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, this is a book of good news. On the other hand, the literary literary nature of the revelation of Jesus Christ is quite unlike anything else in the New Testament. John's vision of Jesus seem unusually couched in vivid symbolic images but in another way the revelation seems to be just a summation of of all the symbols in all of scripture and according to the image that John gives us in revelation chapter 7 heaven is far from a solitary place of tuna fish sandwiches And words, you see, can't express the mood and the character and the quality of the life and the wisdom that is found there. Our reading today begins, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count 
from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. What a glorious, glorious scene. As John peers into his vision, he sees a great multitude that no one can count. And where are these people from? They are people from every nation, all tribes, every language, every color, color, every ethnicity. And they are robed and standing before the throne and before the Lamb with palm branches in their hands. And in in worship and in praise, they cry out. John helps us to see Jesus the Lamb rules with God over the whole cosmos in power and in might. Jesus has gathered the people of God into a fellowship of peace and comfort. This gathering is not a gathering of us as opposed to them. This is a gathering of we. The people make a beautiful mosaic of color and all those who have been created in God's own image. This multitude of all tribes and peoples and languages is singing praise to the one who is their unity and their hope. In Latin, this understanding of being made in the image of God is called the imago Dei. This phrase has has its origins in scripture in in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 where God created humankind in his image. This biblical passage does not imply that God is in human form, but that all humans are in the image of God by their moral and their spiritual and their intellectual essence. Therefore, all human beings from every nation, from every tribe, every color, every language reflect God's divine nature and have the special qualities of human nature which allow God to be made manifest in all human beings. These qualities include being created to love God and to love others, to love our neighbors as Jesus taught us, as an expression of our love for God. Me being made in God's image also means humans have the capability of free decision making. But it is this freedom that is also enables humans to choose to deny or repress their spiritual likeness to God. The awakening of human beings to God's image in one's life to God's kingdom and to the kinship that humans share was the purpose for which Jesus came into the world. And his mission is pointed to in all of Jesus' life and his teachings. And it is to this Jesus, the Lamb, 
that the multitude raise palm branches and voices and shouts of praise and affection. Throughout scripture, a lamb has been used to describe some of the most moving features in our relationship with God. Starting with the first Passover meal, a lamb has been associated with sacrifice. In Exodus, God's people getting ready to step toward the promised land and their freedom from slavery from Egypt included a lamb. The lamb's blood sprinkled on the doorpost of a home spared God's people from the horrible fate that awaited the Egyptian families that night. The lamb symbolized God's hands on God's people, offering protection and offering life. And when the Lord made a covenant with God's freed people at Sinai, God instructed them regarding some fairly specific acts of worship to help the people walk with God. And one of the important acts of worship involves sacrificing a lamb. Once every year on the Day of Atonement, the priest offered a lamb on the altar to express the desire of God's people to be forgiven of their sins. And the lamb came to symbolize the sacrifice necessary for God's people to be forgiven and the grace and the mercy that God showed them by forgiving them. It's little wonder that the image of the lamb was used to describe God's anointed one who would come and bring deliverance. The prophets pointed out that the Messiah would be treated like a lamb led to the slaughter for us all. Centuries later, John the Baptist came along preaching that the Messiah would be coming soon. He warned people to prepare for the arrival of God's anointed one by repenting of their sins. And one day, while John was talking with some of his disciples, he saw Jesus coming their way. As John draws their attention to Jesus, he declares, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Of course, the imagery expressed in the title Lamb of God that John gave Jesus is a prelude to Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. As Jesus was the Lamb of God, he demonstrated by the way he lived and died and rose again from the grave. And ever since his ascension back into heaven, Jesus' disciples, including you and me, have been called in word and deed to proclaim the good news of his sacrifice and his triumphant resurrection. It is this victorious ruler, Jesus the Lamb, who came for his people and gathered them from every nation and every tribe and every people and language of the earth to join him in heaven.
Thus, Jesus is not only the lamb to be worshipped, but the shepherd who is our shelter and guide that we are to follow. In verse 13 of our reading, an elder asks John, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? Stunned by the glory of the scene, John can only say, Sir, you are the one that knows. And then the elder says, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus the lamb and the shepherd seeks to guide us to springs of the water of life. God in Jesus Christ is the one who will wipe every tear from our eyes. We know from scripture and personal experience that Jesus our shepherd walks with us along the way. We are not alone. The good shepherd encourages us not to be afraid because he never leaves his sheep. When one of his sheep gets into trouble, the shepherd is never far away. He comes to the rescue and and reaches out a hand and, and pulls us, pulls us up. And this shepherd calls us to follow him and to be his saints. But saints are not perfect. Isn't that the reason why the people before the throne had to wash in the blood of the Lamb? And being a saint isn't about just singing hymns and reading scripture and praying all day long. Being a saint is about making a difference in this world. It's about walking in the steps of Jesus and loving and serving God as we love and serve people who regardless of color or language, nation, all have been made in the image of God just like us. In his book, Six Hours, One Friday, Max Licato writes about a friend named Joy who taught a children's Sunday school class. Joy had in her class a timid nine-year-old girl named Barbara. Licato writes, Barbara's difficult home life had left her afraid and insecure. For the weeks that my friend was teaching the class, Barbara never spoke, never While the other children talked, she sat. While the others sang, she was silent. While the other giggled, 
she was quiet. Always present, always listening, always speechless until the day Joy gave a class on heaven. Joy talked about seeing God. She talked about tearless eyes and deathless lives. Barbara was fascinated. She wouldn't release Joy from her stare. She listened with hunger, and then she raised her hand. Mrs. Joy? Joy was stunned. Barbara had never asked a question. Yes, Barbara? Barbara asked quietly, Is heaven for girls like me? Lakato said, Barbara couldn't be more qualified for heaven, and neither could you. Like Barbara, you and I, we need All Saints Day because it tells us who and whose we are made in the image of God. We have been made to work and to worship side by side with all people because the barriers that the world seems to still want to to erect and create have already been torn down in the life, in the death, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we too are the saints of God. Not perfect, but redeemed by Jesus and washed in his love and grace and welcomed into God's fellowship through baptism. Sisters and brothers, if you don't remember anything else that I've said today, I hope you will remember this. You are loved unconditionally. And the promises of God are for people just like you and me. Not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is. In Jesus, both the Lamb and the Good Shepherd, you discover that God is always with you, now and for all eternity. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen.